Episode 41, Clip International with Joshua Vaughn. Welcome to the Principles and Practice Podcast. This is where we discuss biblical principles for life and learning. I'm your host, Heather Hall, and this is my co-host, Brian Hall. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Principles and Practice Homeschool Podcast. Today I have with me a very special guest. This is Joshua Vaughn. He is the father of six children, ages 21, 19, 16, 13, 9, and 5. He's lived in Guatemala, Panama, Africa, Singapore, Fiji, France, and the United States. He's been involved in education since 1999 and taught everything from preschool up through teacher training classes. He's taught all subjects except for algebra and chemistry. He started and ran a Christian school with his wife, Sarah, in California for 12 years. God recently had them transition of a school over to the church they're associated with, and they've transferred to Oklahoma, or where Joshua is teaching high school literature in Christian school. Their goal is now to develop a teacher's institute to train teachers in a philosophy, methodology, and application of providential education. They're also helping families who want to homeschool with consulting, and his wife, Sarah, is homeschooling their two youngest. So welcome to our show, Joshua. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, we're so happy to have you here and to share your testimony and what God is doing in your lives. So would you tell us more about yourself and your family and anything else that you'd like to share? Well, I'm the child of missionaries. So at the age of five, my parents went to Guatemala and um, where I, we, they started working with local people there. They transferred a couple years after that to Panama. And that's where I learned, I learned Spanish and was marching down in the jungles, taking groups to the jungles, into the, into the islands, up into the mountains of Panama, and evangelizing unreached people groups. And when I turned 18, my mom told me that it was time for me to branch out on my own and I needed to go to Africa. And I remember telling her, mom, that's not true. God has called me to Latin America and Africa is on the wrong side of the globe, so I'm not going. She said, well, I really think God has told me that that's where you need to go. I said, fine. This is what's going to happen, though. If God supplies all the money and takes care of everything, then I'll go, but I'm not asking a single person for money. I'm not doing anything about it. She said, okay. Well, two weeks later, I had my plane ticket to Africa, and um, from there, I was in Africa for a while serving local missionaries, building Bible schools, doing some um, training on computers. And, uh, when I left there, I traveled through Europe. That's where I met my wife. She's French. And we were in contact for, for a couple of years until we got married. And we ended up moving to the United States in 1999, where we first began working in a daycare. And, um, and so since then it's just progressed. We moved from, from the daycare in Florida. We ran a school up in Northern Florida a couple of years after that ended up going to Tyler, Texas, where we trained under Mr. Kilkenny um, with the principal approach and the Teachers for the Nation's School. And I got connected with Catherine Dang. And those of you familiar with the principal approach will definitely know those names. Um, And then uh, a few years after that, we ended up moving to California, where my wife and I did start the school that that lasted for 12 years. So we actually started that in in our living room of our house with just our two youngest or our two oldest daughters. So at the time they were in third grade and second grade. And it was just my wife and me and my two daughters in a classroom that we set up. I put on my tie every morning. We dressed up. We acted like it was a real school. 
because uh, we knew that God was doing something. And then the next year, God added one student. And um, the next year, we partnered with a church there in California, one family church. And we actually moved into their building and we went from three students to eight students. And the next year we had 16, then we had 22. And we just slowly grew um, from there until our last year, uh, which was last year that we ended up with 48. The year before that, we had 60. When COVID hit and everything, we dropped quite a few, or quite a few students left. So our attendance dropped down to about 48. And then we transitioned the school over to the, to the local church. It's still up and running and going, doing well. And now we're here and I have my two oldest are now graduated and I've got two in high school and my other two are, are being homeschooled by my wife, like you said earlier. So it's been a, quite an adventure for the past 20 some odd years in education. Okay. So that's fascinating. I don't even know what to say about your history there. That's amazing that you were so involved with missions from so early on and then to branch out on your own to another continent, <laughs> like right, right when you were graduated and an early adult is just amazing to me. Um, so you mentioned that you were growing up in other countries, yet you have a background with the principal approach. So what's the connection there? How did your mom learn about it? Because you were homeschooled, right? I was. In fact, my mom was homeschooling in the, what was it? Probably the early, early 90s or late 80s. I was going to, when we were in Panama, I was going to a private, a private school and I came back one day and I was discussing some science facts with my mom. And my mom said, no, that's not true. That's called evolution. I'm like, no, no, mom, it's true. My teacher told me and I saw it in a video. And that was the realization to my mom that, okay, um, I'm raising my children, but look at the type of education that they're gaining. And this was back, like I said, in the late 80s, maybe early 90s. And so she started researching. And back then, um, there was basically nothing. So she um, started just researching and finding some stuff. And God led us to um, a certain individual who put us in touch with Paul Jaley up in, in Massachusetts with, um, I think it's Plymouth Rock Foundation. Yes. Are you familiar? Yeah. Paul Jaley, yeah. he's wonderful. I remember we actually made a trip up there and toured Plymouth with him years ago. I think I was like nine or 10 years old. Um, and then she got connected to another lady named Dixie Thompson and Dixie Thompson introduced, introduced us to Ruth Smith. So we started attending Pilgrim Institute conferences. So my mom was taking me to Pilgrim Institute conferences when I was 16. I'm 44 now. So <laughs> it's been quite a while back, but it was always interesting because when we'd go, you know, Miss Dang, Catherine Dang was always, almost always a speaker there. And the Lord always drew me to Mr. James Rose and Catherine Dang. And it was just, whenever I saw those names, those are the classes I attended because everyone broke up into individual classes. And, um, and it's interesting that probably 20 some odd years later, God actually connected me very closely with Catherine and, and moved me to California where I was only a couple hours away from her. So we, we visited quite often. She was very involved in our school and in our teacher training. So I, I've, I was introduced to the principal approach when I was 16 and have been studying it and reading about it ever since then. So how did it personally impact you? Uh, trying to remember back that that far. I don't remember as a, as a child, how it impacted me, but I, I do know the effects of that, that I even seen in the way I, I work with my own children. But there's a certain thing I, 
one of the things that I've told people is my wife is, you know, she's, she's French, as I said earlier, and she came from a very all public school education, deeply humanistic, atheistic. And one of her subjects she hated the most was history. And now that she's come here and we've been working in education for years, she used to say that her, that she hated history. And now it's one of her favorite subjects because she's able to see God's hand in it. And one of the things we realize is when you take God out of history and his hand working out of history, and it's just dead people and random dates and wars in the past, it has no value to the student or to the child. But when you're able to add that providential view to it of seeing God's hand working in the good, in the bad, in the difficult, in the easy, then the whole subject changes and comes alive. And I've seen that multiple times, even with, with some of our parents as, as they've learned from our classes, COVID was very, very difficult. But one of the good things is, is for that last year of COVID in of last school year, we actually transitioned in the beginning to online classes and had all the students work for the first 10 weeks at, at home before we came back um, into, into the classroom. But during those 10 weeks, we, I, we figured out how to record videos, upload them to YouTube, and then the students, and we'd make work packets. And so the students would watch the videos and complete the work packets. And within 10 weeks, my teachers did over 950 videos, all of us included. Wow. And so it was, it was amazing. But one of the incredible things was just hearing some of the moms um, come in and talk about, about it because they were watching it with their child. And one mom said that she was sitting there just watching my wife's, one of my, one of my wife's classes. And she says, I was just weeping because she goes, I'd never seen something taught in that perspective. And so the, when you add, and I don't like saying add, when you understand how each subject is supposed to be taught, that it begins with God and who he is. And every single subject springs from his very nature and is a representation of who God is. It changes the way you see everything. And I love having timelines in my classroom. And I use my timeline in my, when I teach all the time, because we want to always articulate and point out where God was working. What was he doing before something, something happened? And the way we can do that practically is you tell, we tell our students and we tell our, our children saying, you know, life is hard. Bad things do happen. But if we look in history, we can see that even though the bad things happened, God always brought good out of that. He was always victorious. And it's like Robert E. Lee says, history teaches us to hope. And I thought that is, that is such a true and profound statement that, that he made, because as we reflect and God always says, you know, remember what I've done, put up these markers so you can remember and tell your children and tell your grandchildren. And so I think, um, the personal impact to the principal approach for me is being able to actually see God working in history and giving me confidence and trust in him when I go through difficult times, even as an adult. And hopefully being able to pass it on to my children and even my students and even my faculty as, as we just progress through the year. That is very impactful. It is. And I can attest to that myself as well when people finally see the whole purpose of how the principal approach is applied and why, then they just see so much relevance to it and they don't want to go back to learning history any other way. Mm -hmm. So the school that you're at now is not technically a principal approach school, is it? It's not, but I'm applying those principles in my personal classroom. 
Okay. And my director has given me the liberty to do so. Okay. Well, that's a huge blessing to the families. Um, so how does the application of the principal approach look in your homeschool? What is that like? And are you helping your wife teach anything or she's just kind of on her own or? At this point, I'm, I'm going to be doing, since I'm working at the school and as we'll discuss later, I'm working on the Institute and I'm working on my completing my PhD as well. Um, she's, carrying the main load for our younger children and one is in kindergarten and the other is in third grade. So I'm doing Bible with them, but she and I discuss her subjects. We, we discuss what, what she's doing. And, um, and so she's carrying the main load of that. Okay. And is she using a curriculum or anything to guide her or is she just kind of, Yeah, she's actually using, she's actually using the face curriculum for third grade. Okay. And um, she's written a few, she's written a few syllabuses for beginner history. So for like kindergarten and preschool or kindergarten and first grade hi history, she's written some things of those that we're using. She's also worked on a few, uh, created her own syllabuses for, for um, Snowflake Bentley and The Ugly Duckling, um, Keep the Lights Burning Abby. So she's taking them through those books as well. Okay. That'd be neat to see how she pulls those together. Does she plan on selling them at all? Do you know? We're, to... We are working on, we, we have sold them privately to, to a few individuals, but we're not um, actually, like we haven't put them on the market right now, but there's still some other stuff we wanna do to them to make them a little, little nicer and um, refine them a little bit more. But eventually part of our goal is to be able to provide um, homeschooling uh, materials to families as well. So that's that's part of our, our desire in the future. Okay, good. Will you keep me abreast on that so that I can help promote it when it comes out? I will. Thank you so okay. much. You're welcome. All right. So at what point in your homeschool journey did you guys start up CLIP International? That's what you called your school, right? Yes. And so CLIP is an acronym for, for know as in know God, love, imitate, propagate. So our philosophy is once a student knows God, He'll love God. Once he loves God, he'll imitate God. And once he imitates God, he's going to propagate the gospel. Okay. And so it's uh, it's our philosophy in in an acronym, basically. But because um, all of our subjects start with, and all of our, our primary goal when, when we teach is for a student to know God better. And um, we realize that the academics are, are important. And those, I think those are going to come. But our primary goal is to work on a student's character or our, our children's character. Because once you have, Christian character, they're going to be industrious, they're going to be diligent, they're going to be hardworking, right? And so they're going to achieve what the Lord has for them to achieve as that character um, kind of directs the directs the train. I kind of call it the, the, the locomotive at the beginning of the train that pulls everything ahead of it. But um, we were in Tyler, Texas, and I was teaching fifth grade, 10th and 11th and 12th grade, and also working in the teachers training school, Teachers for the Nations there. And we had my daughter in in one of the classrooms and it was a wonderful, wonderful school, but she just wasn't ready for the, for um, the level of work that was required. And so it was getting to where she was complaining and arguing and she just didn't want to go. And so we sat down and talked to Ms. Dang and we asked her what she suggested. She said, you know what you need to do? You need to pull her out. And so in second grade or yeah, in second grade, after second grade was over, we pulled her out for third grade. And Catherine said, the first thing you need to do is you need to restore the love of learning in your daughter. And this is our oldest. Um, she's 21 now. And she was, 
she was in third grade. So she must've been like eight or nine years old at that time. And she said, don't have her do any work. Don't have her write anything. All you're going to do is read to her. You're going to read to her, her literature. You're going to read to her history. You're going to do everything orally just so that that love of learning can be returned to her. Because once she has a love for learning, it's not going to be difficult. And she said, keep it light, keep it, keep it easy and work with her where she is. And so trusting, trusting Catherine, um, that's what my wife did. So while I was teaching, she would read her history. She'd read her literature. She would read everything to her and then just orally do math, math, some simple math and stuff like that. And, you know, my daughter could, could read at the time she read well, but she just was not, um, she did had no desire to learn because she had been so burdened with, um, with some work that she had had to do. And it was just too much for her personally. And so this wasn't, you know, in general to the whole school, it was just personally to her, the workload mm-hmm. was too much for her to handle. And, um, and so one day my, this was when my, my son, um, he was, he needed his diaper changed. And so my wife was reading to, to Isabella and she had to go change my son's diaper. And Bella told her, said, Oh mom, I want to keep reading. So Sarah said, well, you know what? You can, you can keep reading on your own and I'll be back and then we'll continue. And so my wife walked off and she kept an eye on Bella. Well, Bella picked up the book and started reading on her own, which was a huge milestone. And that just gave such peace to my wife. And then a few weeks later, my daughter, they were reading together. My daughter told my wife, she said, you know, mom, I really like reading. And it's, and my wife's heart was so overjoyed because we realized that it took time, but that joy of learning was restored because it wasn't, you know, it's not all about facts and, and rote memorization, but it's about a heart of learning and that desire to learn. And, um, and from then on, she just, she did fine. So, um, I thought that that was, that was a real interesting thing. So from there, we transferred, to, we moved to California and, um, and we started the school in our house, like I said, and we had it, we had it there in our house for, for one year. And then the, the next year, we actually had one student join with us. And so that's kind of when we started CLIP was in our living room in 2009, I think it was. Okay. So I hear that you had the school going, but you guys were moved, right? You're no longer in California, right? We're not. We're actually located in Oklahoma. Okay. So now you're in Oklahoma. You're established as a teacher in a different school. Your wife is homeschooling. What else are you involved with with the principal approach? Right now, we're I'm working with Catherine Dang and some, some individuals from Columbia. We're trying to get a Teachers Institute um, started up. So we're looking at how to do that, which will train teachers in providential education, which will be using aspects of the of the principal approach um, to it. So that's what we're doing right now. I've done a I worked with Face a little bit. I went and did one of their one of their conferences uh, last year, I think it was. And then of course I'm doing my I'm implementing it in my classroom as well. Okay. And you mentioned earlier that you are going for your PhD. What is that in? It's in education, Christian education through Liberty okay. University. Okay. Patriot, it's called Patriot Bible University now. They changed their name. Oh, I didn't realize that. Patriot Bible. They're based out of Colorado. So um, it's taken me a long time, but <laughs> it's actually, we're, I'm working on it now. Well, that's actually very admirable. I I hope to continue mine eventually. We have 10. <laughs> oh my goodness. 10 right now is our youngest is two. So I have a little ways yes. to go before I can get there. 
I understand. Um, so what message do you have for the fathers who are choosing to homeschool their children? Dads. Hmm. Well, as a, as a dad, I feel like my main goal and my main desire is to help form the, the character of my children. So I, I try not to be caught up too much in the academic side, even though I feel like that's vital and very important. Um, I look at the assignments that I, I assign to my children. And I look um, that, yes, I want them to have the right answers, but I also want it to be have proper penmanship. And I want it to be set up correctly. And I want to see their attitudes when they're writing their papers or their attitudes when they're reading. And um, I want to focus mainly on that. So as a dad with the authority that God's given us in the home to be able to guide and direct our children in that aspect, I want to make sure that I'm focused on the major things primarily, which is their character development, their attitudes, and making sure that they're understanding the concepts that are coming through, coming through the curriculum and coming through the things that I teach. Also to be there when my wife is having, you know, a difficult time and the children aren't wanting to, to listen and, you know, be able to walk in and say, okay, what did mom say? You know, and deal, once again, deal with the, 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 the character issue and deal with the principles of obedience and submission and good attitude. But being able to let my wife, you know, the hard part is sometimes we get home from work and, you know, the wife's been there all day with the children and she wants to kind of unload, you know, I've been through this and he's acted this way and he's done this, and he's done this and learning just to listen and, um, and not really say, well, did you try this? And would you try this? And how about this? And then, you know, you should do this, but, you know, I, I understand that. And, you know, I think you're doing a great job with them. And then I take my children aside and I talk to them about, about how they treated their mother that day. Um, and what God requires of them at their age. So um, being that listening ear, and I'm not always perfect at that, very far <laughs> from always being perfect, but I do my best to keep that at the forefront of my mind, that we're a team and it's not just, she's not just homeschooling the kids and I'm over here doing other things. We're doing it together, even though I might not be primarily the one teaching the lessons. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And, and so, I yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say that it's so wonderful when our husbands give us that kind of support. It's <laughs> it's really vital <laughs> to yeah. survival in the homeschool and um, just helping us through our own character development, too, I think. Yeah. It, it's nice to see how our husbands step in and lead in that way, and it just helps to build us up. Yeah. And I never wanted to be one of those husbands that are like, well, look, you're home all day with the kids. Why can't you, you know, have supper ready in the house clean, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not too difficult to teach a third grade and a kindergartner. And it's like, well, yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, realizing, you know, understanding the load and the responsibility that, that she's bearing because, the, you know, your wife's not just, your wife's not just, you know, teaching them, but she's looking ahead. Okay when they're in ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade high school, when they get out of school, are they going to be adequately, adequately prepared? You know, there's, there's a lot of extra burden upon a wife's shoulders that we don't always see because, you know, guys tend to, okay, well, that's tomorrow. We'll take care of that then. Whereas women, you know, or at least my wife, and from what I've seen a lot of homeschooling moms, they're already looking to the future. Okay. Where is this going to lead? How are they, what are they going to do next? And that, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think having compassion in that way 
um, and letting them just be able to express those concerns and think through there and reason through those ideas with them, um, I think has helped helped my wife. I guess you'd have to get her, her view on that, but I would hope that that it's helped her. I would say that speaking as a wife who has a husband that does those things too, that yes, it does help. <laughs> but I should, I need to interview her too, if she'd be open to that. That'd be good. She would be. She's oh, she's she's a phenomenal, she's a phenomenal, phenomenal woman. She worked full time at our full time at our school, took care of the house, raised kids. I mean, I I don't know how she did it. So um she's she's pretty awesome. Aw. Okay, so do you have resources that you highly recommend for your for the listeners to look into? Yes, I love Pilgrim Pilgrim Institute Ruth Smith stuff. Her her Mighty Works of God series um, is phenomenal. I I recommend those to everybody. Her history series and then she's got a lot of syllabuses on there and great literature books that are just wonderful. I also use Catherine Deng's resources a lot from Philomath Foundation. She um, and she wrote a history book. She's actually got a couple of history books out. And those are great for high school for world world history. So they're those are phenomenal. And then I've really been getting into the American Minute, and I can't remember what his name was. Um, my internet is not working, but um, it's called the American Minute. He gives historical historical relevant articles, and he delves deep into America's Christian history. And so I just really really uh, enjoy his stuff. I do. I follow. Um, Paul Jaley's stuff as well, Marshall Foster. Um, those are some of the primary ones that I that I go to. Okay. I have not heard of the American Minute, I don't think. So I'll have to look that one up and see. Oh, I've used it, I've used some of his stuff and I printed off some of his articles and used them in my class. Like we just had Constitution Day on the 17th. And so um, I printed out his what he wrote about the Constitution and and what founding fathers said and other theologians and um, philosophers that stated about our constitution and it was it was a great it was a great article okay great i will look into that that's a good idea to pull articles to include um in the lessons so as we come to a close what advice or words of encouragement do you have for homeschooling parents one thing that's helped us when we homeschooled and as we're doing that again is to be patient with yourself right sometimes we put um unnecessary expectations. Well, my child should be here. We should be doing this. I should be doing that. And it's, a, it's good to have goals. It's good to have, you know, a vision of where you're going, but sometimes life happens during the day. You know, sometimes you have your schedule set up and then all of a sudden you've got to go to the chiropractor or there's dentist appointments or, you know, your family member calls and there's an emergency and it's, it's okay to, it's okay to take care of those things and then come back to your daily schedule. And knowing that, you know, you're not under any obligation, but you have liberty to pursue, you know, what you need for your child. And God is faithful and he can make up for any mistakes that we may make and, or that we will make. And he knows where we're headed and what we're doing. So um, one thing that's helped me as well is I, I seek a lot of, seek a lot of advice and counsel. Like, just like yesterday, um, I was looking for some information on the first great reformation because we're going to be in my literature class we're going over um jonathan edwards sinners in the hands of an angry god um in the next couple of days with my high school and so i want to give him a little background and talk about the the first great awakening 
And so I called three of my three of my contacts that I had and just asked them for recommendations and asked them for, for any assistance or any advice that they had on the subject. And so have those people that you can reach out to, um, who you trust, who give you good advice so that you don't feel like you're in this all alone. Because sometimes we can feel so isolated because we're in our home all the time with our children all the time. And we tend to feel like we're cut off when there's actually a rather large community out there and people willing to willing to help and offer advice and offer um, solutions and offer, you know, resources and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. Um, to keep in mind, the mentor factor is huge. I yes. found that in my own experience too. Yeah. And not just with resources, but how to apply different elements of the principal approach that are not clear in the beginning. Yes. Um, can we revisit your institute, the Teachers Institute in Columbia that you're establishing? Yes. <clears throat> what point do you see in reaching out to other nations with the principal approach? What, what, like, what's the point of it? Yeah, like, what's the point of it? Help our listeners understand why you would bother to do that. Well, because in the, in the principal approach, it lays out a foundation that um, establishes a view of God, man, and government and education that can be applied into every nation. Because this is not, you know, it's, it originated in, in America, but the ideas are not just strictly for America. They, these ideas can go to, go to every single nation. And, you know, I, in California, I had quite a few. In fact, my children were out of 60 students. They were the only white children there. All the other children were, were Hispanic, basically. Um, and so talking to these families who are basically first generation um, from Mexico have come over and they're, they're working in the, in the, in the fields there in California. And they know the prosperity, at least their parents know the prosperity that they have in America. And a lot of the children even understand the difference between what it was like in Mexico and what it was like, what it was like here from what their parents have told them and helping them understand that they can be educated in these ideas and then they can take these ideas back. And I told many of them, I said, someday, some of you guys are going to go back to back to Mexico, you're going to be in positions of leadership, you know, laying these seeds that one day you're going to be able to return with something that's special that God can use to transform your nation. And a lot of, a lot of things that we've encountered, especially going through Europe is, um, is where people say, oh, well, that's just an American idea. You know, we don't want, we don't want American ideas because of the imperialistic view and, you know, just the view that they have of America and, and other nations. But it's if they understand that it's not just American ideas, it's biblical ideas that America implemented in the right way that caused the liberty and the success that America's had and the, and the bounty that we've, we've been able to enjoy here and the liberties that we've been able to enjoy, that other nations can have those same liberties and those same blessings if they're able to apply the same principles. And I see, we see something, Catherine Dang and I see something happening in Colombia, and it's interesting that it's happening in Colombia, which is kind of the first country of South America. It's like the doorway to Latin America. And I've done a couple of teachings where I, I did one that had a, I think it was in 18 different nations with about 180 people. And there are people from Venezuela, um, Brazil, um, Colombia, Peru. So I've done a couple of those teachings and God's doing something in Latin America where he can, he's bringing these ideas um, into nations and it's starting to affect stuff and it's going under the radar 
but God's opening the doorways to make, to make a way. And I see, I see if we can get a handle on the education, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. I think you've probably familiar with the quote that he said, the philosophy of, of, of education in one generation is a philosophy of government in the next, I think mm-hmm. is the, is the quote. Yeah. And we are seeing that so much today in our own personal culture. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm just thinking, man, if we can get these ideas and these principles established in the hearts of parents and children um, in Latin America, what is Latin America going to look like in the next 30 years? What, you know, um, what the potential of displacing evil in, in Latin America and displacing falsehoods with the truth is, I, you know, it's like within our grasp. And I told, <laughs> I told some Venezuelans because my parents were missionaries in Venezuela before Chavez took over. I mean, Venezuela had malls and I was, and I was there that had malls that were more modern than here in the United States. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Um, the, the amount of money that was in Venezuela. And now um, we've got a lot of people. My dad actually raises money and, and sends money in to help f- with medical supplies and feeding people and stuff. But we have former people there that they're talking about how people are just eating out of trash cans and, and stuff like that. It's, it's the, we don't know the, how bad it is there, but it's, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was talking to them. I was like, you realize, cause they've studied through the, through the school, they've studied some, a bit of the, of the pilgrims. And I said, you realize you guys are pilgrims right now in your nation. You're the, you're, you're the pilgrims of 1620 in Venezuela here in 2021. And, um, and I think that can be so encouraging to a people whose nation is pretty much at the lowest state it's ever really been in our known history. And knowing that, that there's a way, even though there's hardships, there's a way to rise out of that by instituting biblical principles. And it begins with parents training their children. And there's parents starting to pick up that, pick up that, um, that responsibility and, and assume it and know that it belongs to them. I just feel so encouraged when I hear about this. Um, I would love to have you back sometime to talk more about it, if that would be okay in the future, just what you see happening in other nations. And yeah, I just think that so many people tend to sit on the sidelines, even in America, thinking that the worst is going to happen and the end is here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and they don't do anything, not understanding the whole concept of applying God's principles of government in nations. Yes. Yeah. So I think well, that, that that would help to motivate people, help them to catch the vision, to see that we have a responsibility as God's people to be discipling and to be implementing those principles in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm starting, and it's interesting because when you, you know, like with my children, they've been raised in the, in, in the principal approach with the, with the ideas of God, man, and government. But when you come to a new school where, you know, these ideas might've been taught, but not in the way in which we teach them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wrote on the board for the first two weeks, your view of God determines your view of man, which determines your view of government, you know, and just going over that and over that and teaching what does self-government mean? You know, if I were to say that, and, and to one of my children, they can, you know, direction, regulation, control of oneself, restraint, you know, of oneself. 
but here it's teaching them those basic words. And so for me, it's so, it's so encouraging to, to see them just to start thinking, thinking that way that they've never necessarily thought that way before. But, you know, in it, being able to take that international, because in Latin America, there's such a view of, you know, there's the, the Catholic view where the God's up top with a big baseball bat and, you know, not understanding the true nature of who God is and his love and his care and his understanding of the importance of the individual, you know, mm-hmm. and so helping them to understand that proper view of God, which will determine their view of man, which determines their view of government and teaching the pagan idea of man versus the Christian idea of man. Um, and so it's just, it's just amazing. I went, I went through that, those two things from Richard Frothingham's book um, with my, with my high school here. And it was just neat to see kind of like the light bulbs come on. And I was like, and I said, you know, as we go through our literature, we're going to be identifying these ideas. So you be aware of them, teaching them to, to see those, those types of things. But I think the, the effects of that, in Latin America is just going to be, it's going to be, I think it's going to be substantial. So I'm, I'm super excited that God's giving me at least some open doorway to be involved in that. And I remember when, um, when I was in, I was 18 years old and I was in our a church in Florida and I was in the foyer praying one morning at early morning prayer. And I felt like the Lord said, you're going to be, um, you're going to be a missionary to, to Latin America. And then my mom says, go to Africa. And I'm like, no way. But, um, and so but coming full circle, it's interesting that for the past 12 years, I've been in central California and the, the town that I was in was 70% Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Every single one of our f- parents spoke Spanish, except for like three and not, like no English, only Spanish. Mm-hmm. And so having being, you know, trilingual like I am and being able to speak, be able to speak Spanish and communicate to them. And one thing that was really interesting that we did in our school is we had a we had a strengthening the family night. So once a month, I had a special night where all the families of the school would come together and I'd teach basic, basic principles on Christian education, on family and stuff like that. We had Catherine come down once a quarter and teach as well. And so, you know, being able to change those ideas. And I remember once I was praying over that because our attendance was kind of dropping for those. And and I said, Lord, you know, part of what we're doing here is wanting to see healed families. And, and I felt like you spoke to me. He said, he said, there are going to be healed families with parents and children. He said, but I feel, but the real healed families are going to be these students in your school who are going to grow up and have healed families. That's mm-hmm. going to be the true is a second generation is the real healed families that they don't have to go through what their parents went through, mm-hmm. you know, because they've got a different foundation to stand on. Mm-hmm. And so you know, now that in having gotten that word when I was 18 and then God having me in Cal- having my wife and me in California working with Hispanic families for so many years. And now this institute, which is brought branching out into Latin America, is just kind of it's, it's interesting to look back and see God's hand working <laughs> providentially through my own life yeah, and the life yeah. of my wife. Yeah, you definitely see how he's been equipping you all these years from as early as what did you say, five years old? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So do you guys have a personal family Christian history timeline where you have all of these details laid out? I'm, I'm writing it out right now. Oh, good. So we, I've been writing out, I've been writing out the story of, I've been writing out the story of, of our school. Um, but we're working also on like my wife's journey and my journey. Cause it's interesting because she wanted to be a linguist in school. So when she was, you know, 
in France, you have to, they're required to take a couple languages. And she always took Spanish and English. And just so happens that, you know, we, we get married and we're in Florida and Texas. And then we come to California and she's able to communicate with the families just as well as I am. Uh-huh. So it's, it's just, it was really, really neat how uh-huh. God, God worked that out. Yeah. So you're trilingual. So you speak French. Is that your third language? Yes, I do. Okay. All right. I actually speak four languages. I also speak Southern, thanks to my oh. mom. So <laughs> I can get along with all my Alabama family members. <laughs> oh, Joshua, thank you so much for your time. This has been really good. It's very enriching. And I really believe that a lot of people are going to be encouraged by this. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share. I love talking about education. It's something near and dear to my heart. And it just, I think God is awesome with the way he does stuff. So Amen. it's, it's so great. He's it so, is. he's so smart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, anytime that you want to come back and join us for another podcast to talk about education some more, we'd love to have you. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm, I'm free whenever you need me. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, God bless. As always, if you're looking for additional resources or support, you can visit our website at principalacademy.com, check out our shop and our blog, and you can also find us on Facebook at Christian Homeschooling with Bible Principles, also on Instagram under Principal Academy. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, well, this is Heather Hall. And this is Brian Hall. For Christ and His glory. <laughs>